Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not confuse. Hi, everybody, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Geek Shell Inherit Podcast. I'm Daniel Pickett. And I am still Jason Lindsay. And man, is it hot in Los Angeles. It's so hot. You almost sounded like Johnny Carson there. It's so hot. <laughs> yeah, it's so hot. And then people go, how hot is it? It's, it's so, so hot. hot. But yesterday saw squirrel I saw a soaking his nuts. Explode next to a dog. <laughs> uh, it is hot. Um, and it's dry. And uh, yeah, oh, you know, yeah. it's, been, it's been hot. And it's been dry for a long time out here in California. And we needed you know, rain and, and water of all types. But it's like, you know, it's mid-September, and we're talking, I think it was like 102 or 103 in the valley today or something. Yeah, it was like living on the surface of the sun. Yeah, it was like 100 over here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Uh, so, but I think, it's, I think we're kind of seeing the end of it, right? Boy, I hope so. I think, it, I think it's still through this week, and the dogs don't like it either. And the dog's clearly not fans of the heat. Not a fan of the heat. No. Uh, sorry about that. Bowie wanted to tell you how hot he was. <laughs> no, I get it. He does. Uh, he I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, but we haven't talked in a while. It's been a, a slight delay in the newest episodes. Are, are uh, you feeling us. better? You were a little um, under weather last time. I am feeling better. I'm, I feel like I've been fighting like a sort of a cold, and so is my wife. Like we'll Ugh. have these days where just our throats really are really bad, and and just kind of feeling run down. And then, you know, I think we're just kind of fighting it each time, and we seem to escape it. But I know a few people that have got these late summer kind of colds, and uh, you know, I had a bit of that, and then of course I've got a couple of you know chronic things that act up now and then. Um, yeah, and I just, I, I think there were some other things going on in my life as well that just, um, uh, very heavy, heavy things. So it, it all takes its toll after a while. But, yeah. um, uh, but thank you for, for asking. Um, but, uh, so you've been, you've been busy with back to school stuff and, you know, uh, the ice bucket challenge. So <laughs> yes, that's right. Seeing yeah. <laughs> new movies and what have you. Yep. Uh, is the ice bucket challenge kind of, is that kind of seen its its day? Is it had its day? I think it's over. Is it yeah. over now? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there might be a few Klingons, you know, hangers-on mm-hmm. that still haven't done it. But I think for the most part, yeah, it's uh, everyone that, that needed to do it has done but it. But it's going to be a yearly thing, obviously. I mean, it's so... I, it was so I don't know, maybe so. Right? Yeah. And, I'd uh, like to take it again today. It's yeah, so this, that, that's that's what they should do is pick the hottest times of the year for everyone to to do it. Um, but you did a fun thing I saw uh, with the, with the whole family in the in the kiddie pool. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, you challenged me. I did it, but I got um, to hit the record button. Right. So uh, boy, did I feel dumb about that. Uh, but uh, and I I did I did my bit and made a, a contribution as well. 
Excellent. And uh, I challenged Harrison Ford. Right. Mark Hamill. I saw him do it. And um, uh, Domino Gleason from the new film. <laughs> did he do it? I don't think he did it. I haven't heard from Domino. Uh-huh. But I saw Harrison uh, and I saw Mark. So just I know they listen to the show. Thank you guys for uh, you know doing your bit, doing your part. That's right. And uh, did you did you see either? You saw the Mark Hamill one. Did you see the Harrison? I saw the Mark Hamill. I don't I don't know that I saw the Mark or the Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is I think at last count he's seventy two. Right. That man is in better shape than I've been in my entire life. <laughs> he he looks. You know, as fit as he did as Han Solo all those years ago, he looks really good. And considering he just didn't, he just like break was it an, his ankle? What what was it that happened to him? I heard he lost a he leg. He lost a leg. His leg got yeah. gnawed off by an alligator on the set of. He, he did not let the Wookiee episode win. seven, and uh, but he looks terrific. So that was that was kind of cool to see him in that and Hamill because Hamill's got the giant Jedi beard. Did you see that statistic? I don't know if it's considered a statistic. That what? he is a, I think he is a year younger than Alec Guinness was when he shot episode. Yes, yes, I did. Episode Which, four. I don't know what to, is that crazy. I don't know what to think of that. Does that mean that us as kids, you know, Obi Wan just seemed that much older, or is it that Alec Guinness just just looked like, you know, he was? I mean, you know, Hamill. I guess. You know, kind of looks his age, uh, right? But you would never have put them side by side and thought they were in the same neighborhood, right? You know, so what is that? Is it is it just the way Guinness was, or that we we just associate? I think for most of us, that was the first time we ever saw Alec Guinness in anything. Uh, sure, you know, yeah. as little kids, and yeah. so he just seemed like the old guy that was in Star Wars. Yes, that's right. Is it that, or is it that he, he looks that much older than, than Hamill? Uh, well, I mean, he's certainly, you know, he's he's kind of from that era of those uh, hard-drinking Englishman actors, you know, the kind of yeah. Peter O'Toole's. And, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's just... They lived a life. He's just the era just before, you know, the O'Toole's and the Burtons. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he was, um, he was, yeah, he was a... He lived a good life, yes. Yeah. So maybe that, yeah, maybe that's it. It's it's uh, it's it's a body made by by gin and tonics. Right. Yeah. Helped along by gin and tonics. Now, did you see did you see the ice bucket challenge that Dave Grohl did? I did not see Dave Grohl's. I love Dave Grohl, so I should. Uh, he. When, when was that? He uh, he reenacted uh, the last scene of Carrie. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Of course he did. Yeah. That's. He went all out. Oh, that's awesome. He's in a prom dress, the whole thing. Oh, that's cool. I got to look that up, and we'll get to this yeah. in a minute. But I can't wait for the new, the new show and album that's going. Yeah, to yeah. The Foo Fighters and, and Dave. I just have so much respect for that guy as the years go on. Um, but uh, yeah, so lots going on, lots to talk about, and uh, why don't we get started uh, as usual with a little segment I like to call, "What's Daniel Pickett excited about?" Ooh, I, that's I like that segment too. You like that segment. I do. I figured you would, because your name is in the title of the segment. Right. But that's one of my favorite parts about it. That might it. appeal to you in some way. Uh, so for me, this, this week, uh, I'm getting excited. You know, I talk about these sorts of, of things every time one comes around, and, and the new one's coming mm. 
coming in the next few weeks, I guess another month or so, Lego Batman 3, yeah. the video game. Yeah. They up the ante on these every single time. All right. Uh, the Marvel one was great. The Hobbit one's been a lot of fun. And when you say they up the ante, do you mean the design of the game, the action of the game, the the silliness of, the, of, that, of what they do sometimes, the in-jokes? What do you mean overall when you say they up the ante? I mean all of the above. Okay. Yes. They add they add new game mechanics, yeah. uh, different kinds of puzzles. They keep ramping up how many playable characters each one has. Uh, but this Lego Batman three, just everything. They started showing some new clips at Comic Con, and there's there's a whole segment uh, that is the '66 Batman mm-hmm. that actually has like Adam West. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. You get to drive the the 66 Batmobile. There's a good chunk of it that takes place in space with the all the Rainbow Lantern Corps what? from Blackest Night. Come on. Uh and they, you know, there's there's a chunk that's from the Man of Steel movie. So they they've already announced I think three downloadable content packs that will be coming like the month after it's released. Kind of lost in the Man of Steel movie, but continue. well, you know, it'll still be They'll make it more interesting than the film. Yes, yes, yes. They, they do a good doubt. job with that. That's no doubt. Uh, and if you pre-order the game from the folks at GameStop, uh, you get a uh, a Plastic Man figure. A little uh, a Lego, Lego mini figure? figure. Yeah. <gasps> cool. Have we had a Plastic Man Lego yet? We have not. Ooh. Yes. Cool. So he looks sort of more like the uh, the Flashpoint Plastic Man. He doesn't quite look like the classic. Okay. But uh, I think Plastic Man, I, I got to play the game a little bit at E3, and he sort of serves, the, for the people that have played some of these games, serves the same sort of purpose as Mr. Fantastic in the Marvel game, where he, like, you'll come up on these certain color of grates, and he'll, like, drop through the grate, like, squeeze through it, and then pop out. A completely different place, and he can turn into things mm. and you know fun stuff like that. They they yeah. do a really good job using the characters' powers and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to Lego Batman Three. Now, uh, just to you know, because I, I this is I, I know I know not of the world you you speak of. Right. What um, so when you get when you get something like this and you're all pumped for it, do you get it home and like what's the ritual? Like you, you pop it in. You you carve out you know three hours the first night or do you just do you dabble in it and 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 sort of you know browse in it or do you dive right in and go I'm 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 going for you know till ten o'clock tonight or whatever how do you, how do you how do you get into it how does it start so the one of the things I and I've mentioned that I like about the games is that they are good two player games and they're two player games you can play with another person sitting there next to you right. so uh, my wife uh, really enjoys them as well. So she never we sit right. down. She wasn't like a game person, or was she? A, a, she absolutely. Yeah, well, she, she was? was. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, okay. she's always been a, a good gamer. Oh, fun. Uh, but yeah, there's just you know, there's not many games uh, on Xbox or PlayStation where you can play with another person in the room. They were great about that with the Wii. You know, you could play up to like four people in a room, mm-hmm. which was great. Mm-hmm. But uh, so much of the other stuff now is you're playing with you know 14 year old kids in Kansas. That you've never met before. Okay. Uh, so you know we really like this. So we'll yeah we'll get it home and we will. I mean when Lego Indiana Jones two came out, it came over the Thanksgiving holiday, and we didn't have any plans or any family in town. And I think we played it 
just about a little shy of 48 hours straight. Wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. Say that again. Over over the Thanksgiving holiday, yeah. it was just the two of us. Right. We didn't have any family. We didn't have any plans. Right. We got that game, and we played it for 48 oh, hours straight. Did. We did. What did we you did. put in, like, catheters and wear diapers? Well, no. I mean, we would we would stop and eat, Lots and we'd get right back to it. For meals and, and showers, and, uh, yes. and, and, and you stayed hydrated. Yes, absolutely. Wow. That's crazy. But that is, yeah. I mean, that's, you know. We were much younger then. Yeah, that was, that was ages ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's interesting. Now yeah. I'm, I'm at Stucky's by 6, in bed by 7.30. But see, is it one of those things like, you know, like I say, I don't, I don't have a lot of reference for it, but is it one of those things like when you get, you know, uh, a series on Netflix or you get the discs home, it's 15 episodes, and you're digging it so much but you also kind of go, should we do one more or should we wait till tomorrow? Let's, let's you know, pace it out. Yeah. Do you, you want to dive right. in and just get right to the end or do you want to like go, no, 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 let's save it for next week or whatever? Well, the, the thing about the game, and we play the games through till we get 100% completion. So mm. as the games have gotten, you know, further along, they, they certainly make them more sandbox games. Mm which is where you can just go anywhere and there's all these side missions and races and hidden levels mm. and all that stuff you got to go find. But there's a through line, a storyline of missions. There's usually 15 to 20 in a game. Mm. And you have to play the game all the way through once to get all of the characters you would need to go back and start playing the levels to get everything. Mm. So you don't, as you complete levels, you get different characters, and different characters have different powers or things they can interact with. The cool thing about Lego Batman with Batman and Robin is they change costumes, and the different costumes have different powers and abilities. Okay. And Robins are different than Batmans. Hmm. So, yeah. Fun. Well, that and that comes out when? Uh, I think it's either end of October or early November. Okay. So you should but probably get there. to like um, Costco. I'm gonna get to GameStop. Well, you so should get. get my you need to get to Costco before then. Stock up, right? Bottled water and liquids and toilet paper and yeah, chicken wings or toilet paper. Five gallon buckets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, you know. To, I get you. Just to prepare, you know. Yeah, totally. Oh, fun! All right. Well, that's yeah. very cool. Well, I know how much you enjoy that stuff and getting little toy premiums with your. Uh, did I ever tell you that I got? Uh, I got the Lego movie that, that comes with the little figure of um, uh, Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whatever his character is called. Yes. Uh, and I ended up getting... Is that, is that the same one that has, like, the weird 3D yeah. picture of him? That's, yeah. Like, what little, do you do with that thing? Yeah, it's completely... It's like a little cardboard stand. I don't know where that is, but it's supposed to be like a yeah. little, you know, uh, photo in a frame kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was tons of fun and um, ended up getting... Just the, you know, not all the characters, but just like there was one little set that came with the guy and the gal and the, I think the robot cop sort of thing. Well, yeah, didn't you say you, you were just stealing the figures and giving the vehicles to your nephew yes, or something? exactly. That's exactly what yeah. I did. And it's funny, when I handed it off, he knew exactly, he's like, is this the machine from the bit that does the, I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. He's like, he knew exactly <laughs> what it was. He couldn't wait to get, he didn't care that they didn't come with the figures. He just wanted to build it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. But I, I ended up getting the one with um, whatever Morgan Freeman's guy is called. Yes. Nice. 
Well, how about you? What are you What are you excited about these days? Well, I'm excited about you know it's I go in these waves. You know, you know what a music freak I am, um, and and you know movie and music stuff. But but sometimes music, it's not like I'm not playing it every day. I mean, I am. And my iPod is you know with me all the time. But when it comes to like you know getting new stuff, I kind of go in spurts where suddenly. You know, there's like ten things I want to get in a week, and I get them all, sort of thing. Like, there's a new album by the New Pornographers that just came out. That's oh, fantastic. Uh, there's a new album by Robert Plant that I've read two reviews that say it is up there with like the best five albums he's ever made. You know, even with Led Zeppelin. Um, and suddenly you just you know that leads you to this, which leads you to this, and whether you're you know I'm looking at in my music magazines or shopping on Amazon or whatever, and suddenly it's like, people who bought this bought this. Um, there's two new McCartney reissues coming out, end of month, Venus and Mars, and Wings at the Speed of Sound, and of course I'm going to get the deluxe, uber, you know, limited versions with books and stickers and all that stuff. Um, but the the one I was really excited about that, that was coming out and, and just hit last week is uh, a Queen set. They did two shows at the Rainbow in London in 1974. Um, one was in like March, I think, and one was in November. And I mention that because they're they're they've been recorded, and the, and the idea was after their first two albums, this would be the next thing that got released was going to be this live record. But okay. in between the shows, like after the March show uh, started to you know get re, you know mastered and everything and, and put together, they had a single called, um, was it Seven Seas of Rye or now? I think it's Seven Seas of Rye. I forget which one it is. Um, and what happened was they were going, you know, Top of the Pops was sort of um, the show to kind of be on as a, as a pop group over right. there. And, it, it, you know, most of the purists kind of, uh, I think it was Keep Yourself Alive. That might have been the single. Most of the purists said, oof, I don't want to do Top of the Pops. Because, you, you know, you mimed. As, as, as a rock star, you know, you were miming to your record. But it was right. a huge amount of exposure. And um, at the last minute, ironically, David Bowie was supposed to appear on Top of the Pops. He canceled. And Queen slipped in there and got his slot. And did, uh, I, think, I think it was Keep Yourself Alive or something. But it, it immediately started to climb the charts. And it, I think it peaked at number 10. But... The difference between that and what they were shortly before doing this this live show at the Rainbow, it made a huge amount of difference. So when they came back in November, they, you know, this this is like, and people, you know, listen to this show and know how much I love this this band. But historically, in, in context, these were the the shows. This was the year where they broke. Like they, you know, after this, they were just going to play huge venues, which led to stadiums. You know, after, I mean, the Rainbow, they thought, we're never going to fill this thing. But by the time it came to November, it sold out. You know, in March, they were opening for Mott the Hoople, and by November, Queen were it. So it's a really right. interesting document because it, it shows you just – it also shows you how heavy that band was. When you listen to this stuff, you forget they – in the words of Roger Taylor, they were like Led Zeppelin with melodies. They were a, huh. they were a heavy band before yeah. more of the pop – stuff and the pop hooks came into it they were for four guys they made a hell of a, a a noise and you know and except for freddie being on piano now and then he was there were only three three instruments you know 
So it's really cool. So the deluxe set that came out um, is uh, the two shows on two different CDs. Uh, there's a regular DVD and a Blu-ray uh, live footage of of the of the shows. There's a, a reprint of the um, souvenir program Queen in Concert in 1974. There's a reprint of uh, some fashion spreads that the band did with with models because their their outfits were specially made for these shows by this uh, woman uh, fashion lady. There's a, a poster. You know, Queen live at the at the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. There's um, a few little other odds and ends, uh, reprints, uh, re redos of the of ticket stubs that Brian May's parents saved their ticket stubs, and wow. these are little reprints of the two shows. And it comes with like a sticker and a couple of Queen buttons. It's just fun stuff like that 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 I love. And um, and it's just it's amazing. I mean, the shows are just extraordinary. So if you're a, if you're a Queen fan or you're curious at all, there is a much cheaper, you know, two disc set that's out that you can just pick up or you can download or whatever. Um, but if you if you like them and if you like them in their early days when they were heavier than they eventually became, um, by all means, pick pick it up. Uh, it's really cool. Very cool. It's something. Now, when, now when you say you you get like nine new things in a week. Mm. Do you feel like you give each thing its due? Do you just like listen to it once and then move on to the next thing, or well, do you have stuff like stacked up? You know, it's funny you say a little bit of both because it's it's funny. Um, you know, since we moved to the new place, which is going on like two years, I realized we don't have a CD player hooked up. I know that sounds okay. ancient, but it's like I, I I want to have the option of just popping on a CD sometimes, and. Right. When I get new stuff, I still, you know, I download a lot of stuff, but when it's some, when it's like a Queen thing or McCartney or whoever, I want all the bells and whistles to go with it, the booklets and the, you know, extra whatever. So until I download that stuff, it's just a CD. So the only time to really give it a listen is in the car. And if you're not in the car for any length of time, then you, it's a while before you, you get to these things. Once it's sort of all in, you know, and, and in the iPod, you know, and, and finally there, then I kind of exclusively spend the next week or two just hitting those, those new things to get, to get to know them. Uh, example, you know, there's another little bit that sort of in that realm of being excited about. Uh, U2 last week, you know, made this surprise announcement, new album on iTunes. Nobody yeah. knew about this. And uh, and it was free, and still is free. You can download it for free. And I I like the fact that they even, you know, uh, are just just the surprise element because it's so hard these days to to bring anything exciting or new or different or surprising to the music world. Uh, that was very very cool. And I'm I'm one of the U2 fans. That's like I was never much of a U2 fan until the album Octung Baby, which I think is the best thing they've ever done. Oh wow! Never to be bettered. Uh, That's a little late in the little later in the game. Yeah, though. I mean, I had their stuff, but I wasn't one of those people that you know when they hit for like Joshua Tree and you know Rattle and Hum and all that stuff, where the whole world was going nuts. I wasn't one of those one of those guys. I could take them or leave them. I thought they were good, but they weren't. I didn't really you know dig them that much. And then Octung Baby kind of blew my mind, and I think it's still the best thing they've ever done. So yeah, I mean, I, I knew about them. My brother, mm. you know, he was he's a big music yeah. guy, too. He's a musician, and, and, you know, he was a fan back from Unforgettable Fire, but I don't think I really 
jumped on until, uh, you know, Joshua Tree, the big Grammy-winning album. Yeah, that was, remember how, I mean, that was like six or seven songs off there were singles and major yeah. songs. I mean, they were just ubiquitous. And, they, and, and then Rattle and Hum, they just, they were everywhere. Um, yeah. I just always thought they were kind of po-faced. And then Octoon Baby, they kind of, they said, you know, this is going to be our Sgt. Pepper where we're going to pretend to be other guys. And if you two wouldn't have gone down a certain road, we're going to do it and put on these, these outfits, basically. And yeah. I think it's the, the, just an extraordinary record. And most of the stuff they've done since, you know, I've really, I've really dug. Um, and I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to really dive into this, this record yet, but it's, it's fun that they've done what they, the way they do it, the way they did it. And, uh, just great to have some new, new stuff because they weren't supposed to have anything new until 2015. Well, here's the, here's the kind of weird thing. I've heard two different things. So one is, so right now this, this album, uh, Songs of Innocence, it's free for anyone with an iTunes account. Yep. Until October 13th. Okay. So then I'd heard that, you know, they will release the album in physical form, and there'll be a deluxe version that has, like, an acoustic version uh, and, and, and several different things. But then just today I heard that that's not the case, mm. that there is an entirely different new album Ooh. that they have ready that's supposed to come out, like, November. That, I, I would... Because there was something fishy. The announcement that was made like a month or two ago was a while back there were rumblings that by Christmas or you know, before the end of the year they were going to have a new record out. And then this announcement a month or two ago was like, yeah, they've decided to shelve that and you know, take extra time. And Bono's statement was something it – was, it was comical really because it was like um, – this isn't what he said, but it was something to the extent of we are so huge and so legendary – that we shouldn't just be doing things willy-nilly. You know, every every single track on every record we do from now on has to be a classic. You know, has to be perfect sort of thing. So we're we're taking our time. And I remember reading it thinking, boy, that's that's pretty arrogant. But also, <laughs> just really, guys, you really need like five years between records or whatever. Like, just come on. So maybe that was a ruse. Maybe the whole thing was, you know, they're going to pull this surprise and, you know do something else in November. That that wouldn't surprise me in the least because what they're trying to do is, is if they did that, I think they're trying to say, like, we're as relevant as anybody coming up. Don't forget how big we are, you know. Because you two, love them or hate them, are one of the few, there's only a handful of bands now uh, or artists that you can say can sell out stadiums. Right. That can do the stadium thing and do a whole tour and be just fine. Well, and I think there's only a handful of bands that a company like Apple would purchase the album. Yeah. That they could, because, you know, it's not free. Right. Apple bought this and gave it to everyone. Right, yeah, exactly. They paid out the nose for it. Yeah. Uh, exactly. There's not a lot of bands that would do that. But, you, you know, if, if, if the other album is true, it would be one of the, the rare instances where uh, that marketing program of releasing an album to promote your new album. Yeah, I mean, but that's a that's a really good point that you make, though. That people need to, should you know should remember. It's like somebody paid for that record. Yeah, you know, to get it out and and you know make it free like that. It wasn't just like they said here, just give it to everyone. They they had to pay for that. <laughs> right. Record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and like I said, I, I haven't 
really really dove into it uh, too too heavily yet, but some of the stuff I've heard I like. Uh, sometimes their stuff creeps up on you, and people really slagged off their last record, um, No Line on the Horizon, but I think it's got some great stuff on it. It does, yeah. You know, I, I, and, and some stuff that's sort of crept up on me that I didn't really pay attention to the first 12, you know, listens, and then it, it kind of it kind of creeps up. Um, yeah, I think I think the the song so far that stands out for me on this free album is Iris, the song about his mom. Okay, see, I I, I read about the, you know I, I as it was playing, I kind of read a cursory sort of review uh, and I mentioned that, um, but I, I need to really kind of give it its its due. One other thing I want to I want to talk about, and then it, this is going to probably be a, a picket heavy rest of the episode because you've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, Something I just want to I just want to hit because it's it's we're very close to a, a major anniversary here. Uh, Kate Bush is one of my sort of musical heroes. Uh, I'm a little surprised by that. Are you? Yeah. Why? Uh, I just uh, of of the things you like, I would not think I, I I too am a Kate Bush fan, but I would not have pegged you as one necessarily. Really? Yeah. Well, I you know I love. You know Peter Gabriel and early Genesis, and that's true. Um, well, the thing about her, I mean, and again, but I never see you running up, running up a hill. No. But again, I should preface it by saying I love Kate Bush. I think she's a. I mean, I truly think she's a genius. I don't use the word lightly. I don't love everything she's ever done. There's some okay. stuff I just zip right past when it comes on the iPod Shuffle or whatever. Sure. Some things that are still hard for me to grasp. I'm still not. You know, in love with Wuthering Heights as a song, I, it still kind of makes me crazy. But I, I understand right. the impact that it had and and just what she was doing at the time. I truly think she's a genius because the thing that's that's so great about her for me is that the, there's the body of work, there's there's you know things that she's done specifically that give me chills. But that while there have you know when you think of bands like like Queen, for example. I can really only think of one band that ever tried to 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 get the Queen sound going, and they were definitely doing it as sort of an homage. They weren't they weren't trying to say this is us. They were they were in love with certain bands of a certain era, and that was Jellyfish. Oh, uh-huh. you listen to bits of their first record, but especially Spilt Milk. There's three or four tracks that just scream. Uh, Queen, Supertramp, Wings, you know, stuff like that of, of the 70s. But other than that, I can't think of anyone that's ever come close. Um, Steely Dan, you know, there was a band called Danny Wilson. You remember this band? They had a song called Mary's Prayer that okay. was kind of big. It got a lot of vi- video and airplay in the late 80s. And the guy sounded a bit like Donald Fagan and some of the tracks we're steely Danish, and you just go. I just, you just don't. You know, no one. The only person I, there's like two people, maybe Tori Amos, who I could never stand, and uh, like Florence Welsh from Florence and the Machine, definitely try to get that Kate Bush vibe going, but they they're not there. And and what I'm getting at is like no one sounds like Kate Bush, but even more so when you when you dig into her stuff, you just go, who the hell was she listening to? Because what the hell were her influences? Because she doesn't sound like anybody else. No. Uh, and anyway, this well, this week, not only is, is this that she do, I think, is it is it 10 or 12 or 22 dates that she did in um, 
that she's doing in London as we speak. Right. Yeah. First yep. return to a series of live shows in in like thirty some like thirty five years since she did something like this. It's the thing. All tickets sold out in like fifteen minutes in March. Um, but this week is like the twenty ninth anniversary of Hounds of Love. Wow. Which is her, I think, her landmark record. Her, her peak yep. is that album, and, and so it was a huge record for me as a, as a teenager. Um, so they, they've announced just this week, I think, that there's definitely going to be a live album coming out to commemorate the shows. There's going to be a DVD commemorating the, the concerts. I don't know if it's one show they're filming or several. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I just been on a bit of a Kate Bush kick. She's on the cover of Mojo, and they're picking like her 50 greatest tunes or whatever. And if anybody, you know, I'm sure loads of people can't stand her just because of her voice or whatever. But if you're on the fence ever about Kate Bush, now's a great time to start digging into her catalog um, and uh, maybe checking out this, the new stuff that she's doing when it, when, it, when it hits. But I would recommend anyone. Would you say Hounds of Love? Would you say to start with that for anybody that doesn't Pro- know, probably so, yeah. know her stuff? Were you a fan back in the day as, as well? I was, yeah. I think my, my very first exposure to her was probably uh, that John Hughes movie, She's Having a Baby. This Woman's she Work. This Woman's Work, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that was probably the first. Like, well, what is this? I knew her from the record. You know, there was a time before Peter Gabriel's album So, where he was naming every album Peter Gabriel. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, yeah. And yeah. it drove the record company. No. Kind, of, kind of like George Foreman and his children. Yes, exactly. And his attitude was, well, I want it to be like a magazine. You know, if you just get a magazine, sometimes you just know it from the cover. And the contents, but it's the same magazine. It's like, and the record company's like, yeah, it's great, Peter, but how are people going to know the one from 79 from the one from 80? So the one he did in 80, which was, I think, the Melty Face cover album, uh, yep. he had a song called Games Without Frontiers. And Kate Bush does, does vocals on that. And I think that was the first time I'd ever heard her voice, because we didn't really get who she was over here you know, uh, with Wuthering Heights. It didn't have the impact it did over in the UK. She was like 18 years old, this weird song about, you know, Heathcliff. Um, and she and I also saw her on the Kenny Everett video show that used to be on after Benny Hill. I saw her. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, who is this woman? Uh, which I think led to, I picked something up on vinyl, which led to Hounds of Love, which was 85. And then that was kind of a big rotation. But then... She showed up on Peter Gabriel's album, So, uh, Don't Give Up, doing the duet with Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, and after that, it was just, that was it. I was hooked, you know. But, um, but yeah, that just got me, I just been on a bit of a music kick. And, um, you know, it's a pretty a varied bunch of, bunch of stuff there to, to talk about. And, and we, did, we talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, right? We did, yeah. I heard a rumor, or maybe I read it wrong, that there might be a volume two in the works, so they might be coming out with more more stuff or inspired by kind of stuff, maybe. That that would make sense, yeah. That would be fun because that's a fun soundtrack. Yeah, I, I love the fact that that may be turning a lot of people on to these great tunes, you know, from that from that movie. Uh, I I got a new album real quick that get? I want to recommend. Uh, uh, it's a band I, I actually heard them on NPR. They just released uh, a new album. I think it's called Swim Time, and the name of the band is Shovels and Rope. I was going to ask you about that. They are uh, a husband and wife team hmm. uh, from somewhere in the south. Okay. 
and they are very sort of genre-defying. All right. There's kind of some crispy, southerny stuff. There's some real old-school rock. There's some gospel-y stuff, but it is all very dark. <laughs> Dark-sounding uh, or dark themes to the lyrics? Yes, see, all of the above. Okay. Give me an example uh, of, like, one of the one of the songs. Uh, well, there's a song, one of the songs is called Evil, talking about, you know, a, a guy, it's the story of a guy that got kicked in the head by a horse, because that was his job, uh, is like shooing horses, and then he just, it just turns him, and he beats his kids. Jeez. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's real dark. Wow. Uh, but he said the, the premise of it is sort of like, I'm changed, but I don't want to be, but I can't he help can't myself. can't help because he had a brain injury. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, All right. But the, but everything was just and it was you know they were they were interviewing you, them and they you, were it was on, it was on NPR they okay. were interviewing the band right. and they were playing you know sort of little clips in between the interview and every single clip I went boy I'd listen to that oh I like that oh interesting uh, yeah so I was just like I'll uh, you know that comes out in a couple of days I'll take a chance on that yeah. and I, I really dug it you 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 know you like loads of stuff you like pop and rock and you know all kinds of bands and people but you do. You know, you do have a, a, a category that you dig that's kind of more, you know, uh, eccentric or so, slightly esoteric. Like you say, take a chance. Like you, you, you seem to kind of push the boat out a bit um, for stuff that's a little, you know, left of center. That uh, yeah, you know, that you that you seek out. Totally. You know, and that that sounds like it fits right into that wheelhouse. Yeah, that's for sure. Wow. Okay. Uh, and and more music real, stuff. Just real quick. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got. I got. We went to the Hollywood Bowl twice in you know the period of about nine days. Oh, fun! So the first time uh, was two weekends ago. We went. Uh, both Elvis Costello and Ben Folds were playing at the bowl together with the L.A. Philharmonic. Oh, that's cool. And all the music was fully scored, and they were both wow. dynamite. Oh, that's cool. They were great show. I think they did two or three nights. Now, you've seen them before, right? Uh, I've actually never seen Elvis Costello, which is a crime, oh, okay. because I've loved him for 20-some-odd years. It's just never worked out. Now, did he so. have his, his other guys with him as well, or ju- like the imposters, or just... No. Just- it, well, he had he had two of his guys. He had like his drummer and his piano player. So, well, it's probably Steve but, Naive, who used to be... The, yes, definitely. The yep, Attraction. That's, that's who, that was his, yep. Thomas, I'm guessing, from the imposters and the yep. attraction. Oh, cool. That's That's cool. You got to see them. And, uh, you know, for Elvis, they both, both Elvis and Ben did all their own arrangements. Uh-huh. Uh, I know not everyone digs Elvis Costello. He has a very uh, unusual voice, and he also sometimes sort of relishes in dissonance in his music. Yeah, and sort yeah of that's true. Conflicting tones. That's probably true, yeah. And so uh, I would say that his orchestrations were maybe not quite as melodic. And, you know, there's, there's been several iterations of Elvis Costello. Oh, yeah. There's, there's the young punk. Yeah. Uh, there's the very sort of thoughtful philosopher. There is the jazz man. Yeah. There's the blues guy. Yeah, you know. there's the, I mean, I saw him, the second or third time I saw him was at Universal Amphitheater with Burt Backrack, And it was oh, yeah. that whole album that he did with Backrack. And then when they each took their sort of break, Elvis, you know, Backrack came out and did Elvis Costello tunes and vice versa. So he's got a whole other, he's in love with the, the, you know, the singer songwriters and the, 
you know, yeah. guys like Backrack as well. He wears a lot of hats. So a lot of the, the songs that, that Elvis Costello picked were more sort of that jazzy thing because it fit more with orchestration. orchestration. So, yeah, that makes you know, sense. You didn't get to hear, you know, Oliver's Army or What's So Funny About Peace, Love, Understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, he did kind of a, a strange swing version of watching the detectives mm-hmm. and and uh, and stuff like that. Still very good, and it was, it was fascinating to see. Uh, but Ben Folds just blew the roof off that place. It was so fantastic. Oh, cool. And both both of those guys were so humbled to be on that stage. Cool. And yeah. just spoke volumes about how important it is, yeah. you know, to support the arts, to support orchestras and philharmonics. And, oh, cool. You know, Ben Folds kind of made, you know, fun of them saying, like, these guys are at the top of their craft while you were out, you know, kissing girls yeah. and, you know, yeah. driving around your car. They were practicing this instrument, right. and now they're on the stage of the Hollywood Bowl. Right. But uh, just a dynamite show. Ben Folds has been talking. He did, uh, I think, 2008, he released a DVD where he performed with the uh, Western Australia Symphony Orchestra. Uh-huh. That's just beautiful. And he's been talking about doing a, uh, a a symphonic album ever since, and I really wish he would. Yeah, it would make sense, yeah. Yeah. Because he's done like the acapella thing, and but just great stuff. I like Ben Folds. I do not love Ben Folds, and I and I mm-hmm. I, I think he is talented, and um, you know, is a great musician, and is clever, and and all that. But there's something about I hate to use the word twee, but there's sort of a tweeness to some of what he does that kind of sticks in my, my, my craw for some reason. Just, just the, the kind of winky... And, and, it's, and it's funny because I like some of that stuff. You know, like I say, Neil Hannon, who is the Divine Comedy, and he does another thing called the Duckworth-Lewis Method with another guy, which is, you know... Songs about, That's the most messed up thing ever. It's songs about cricket, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the winky stuff. For some reason, some of what, what Ben Folds does... I guess just gets a little too winky for me, um, but I, I respect him and I, I admire him. I, I want to to love more of his stuff. I just don't. I just I, I like him. Uh, like, and, and my the winky the winky stuff is a little more Ben Folds five. You know his younger days. Yeah. Uh, you know as he's an older guy now and a father. There's not there's not oh, as much, much of, that? of that. Well, the one yeah. that I th- that I think is a is a good. I would say is a good starter if anybody feels the same way as me, is the one he did with Nick Hornby. Because that, right. was, that was taking Hornby's, you know, lyrics and putting him to music, essentially. Uh, yeah. But it's, it still kind of has that Ben Folds, you know, feel to it. Um, but I think that's, and, the, and the Shatner album has been. As, and the Shatner record, yeah, which is, which is fun, which is better than you'd ever have a right to think it would be. <laughs> that's exactly you right, know? yeah. Uh, okay, that's oh, fun. so we so we did that the first weekend. Then this past weekend, we got to go to the Simpsons take the bowl. Oh, how was that? That was I don't know how long they've been working on uh, that, but it all showed. It was all there. It was three nights. This is the twentieth anniversary, right? Isn't it all in, in part of that? That's right. Celebration, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and just you know, loaded with stars. Uh, who? Who? Well, Frank, uh, Frank, Hank Azaria was one of the the hosts. Nice. Nancy Cartwright and Yardley Smith. Nice. They were all sort of the the co-hosts. Uh, Beverly D'Angelo I think came Hank out. Azaria is one of the few 
besides me, one of the few geniuses in in voiceover. Where he yeah. he there's nothing wrong with someone like um, you know John DiMaggio, you know uh, Bender. You hear him and you know it's John DiMaggio. You hear him doing this and you know it's him. It's it's got that you know if it's a commercial thing or whatever. But Azaria can can sound so different and like so yeah. many different people. Uh, I think he's a, he's a bit of a genius. Not a lot of PO people uh, can do that. But anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, John Lovitz came out, and you know he's been on the show, but he also paid tribute to Phil Hartman. Oh, nice! Of course, and uh, cool. he he did the the Planet of the Apes song <laughs> from Chimpanzee. Chimpanzee. Yeah, yeah. I've hated every monkey that I've ever met from <laughs> Chimpanzee to Chimpanzee. Uh, Weird Al came out oh. and actually rewrote the lyrics to uh, John Mellencamp's Jack and Diane about Homer and Marge. Oh, fun! Uh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, Weird Al showed up and rewrote an existing song? Yes. Change, you're telling me that Weird Al Yankovic... All right, we're not going to get into this. ...changed the lyrics to a song? The Los Angeles Gay Men's Chorus were there, uh-huh. and uh, they did the Stonecutter song and Spider Pig and uh, a, a lot of that stuff. Then uh, the entire cast came out and did the Bartman at the end. Oh, my including, God. Including, including Matt Groening. Do you still and, have that record? Uh, I don't. I don't have it either. Is it out? Can you get it on CD? Oh, I'm sure you can. I should. I need to pick that up. Like songs in the key of blue or something or whatever it was. In the key of yellow. Wasn't the key it? of yellow. It was the. It was 1990, right? It was the Bartman song, yeah. and Homer did. Uh, a blues. I forget, but that was a big record. Like yeah, yeah. That's still well, a lot. Michael Jackson wrote the Bartman song. That's right. That's which right. was crazy. Isn't it funny how that show, that, that, that it, it has defied the odds in so many ways, but just in the way of merchandise, where most shows explode, or they build, and then they explode, and the merchandise goes crazy, and everyone gets sick of it, and it's all on clearance, and it never happens again. Well, they had that burst in 1990 of just everywhere you looked, there was a Bart Simpson's toy or piece of merchandise, mainly like T-shirts. Revolving around Bart. I mean, that was the yeah. that was the big draw, and then, you know, it died down a bit, but the show, you know, gained in popularity and kept going. And then the weirdest shift happened, where they the the standout character became Homer. Yeah, you know, and it was no longer about, you know, this is the Bart Simpson show. It became all about freaking Homer. Well, you remember too when it first came out, like the boycotts and the the anger and the. The destruction of the American family, and at some point, yes, you know, right. twenty-five years later, all those people gave up. That's right. I, I went. Home. I forgot about that. People were saying, it's, uh, people were saying things like, you know, this is not who should be held up as the the you know the American family kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember that, and and I remember Graining coming out and you know making comments on it, like, come on, we're just having some fun. You yeah, know, take it easy. But that's right. It was. It got so popular that. Um, People were getting uptight that this is how <laughs> they were saying, you know, that, that Homer was, a, you know, a, a child abuser, basically. Yeah, yeah. The way he treated Bart, kind of thing. Well, I, I read an interview with, with Hank Azaria this past week in the L.A. Times, sort of leading up to it, and just the cast just, like, none of them expected this thing to last 25 years. No way! You know? 25 years. Like, can you imagine doing any job for over 20 years? No. Much less, like no, especially like a voice actor that never happens. Never happens, and 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 most best of all, 
I mean, they could have stopped ages ago. Like they, they, they're n- none of them are ever going to have to work again for the rest of their lives because the show yeah. is just going to play around the world, you know, constantly. Um, but no, it, but it's the, incredible. The, the clips they did, uh, and the the beautiful piece of it was they they had these projectors where they would skin the front of the bowl. Uh-huh. So they would make it look like a giant donut, or they would make it look like the nuclear plant, uh-huh. or they would make it look like the daycare. They showed like clips from the show, uh, like when the Planet of the Apes song came on. They it was like paper mache with old Planet of the Apes comic books. I mean, th- that, oh, cool. just watching that in itself mm-hmm. was worth the price of admission. Nice. Yeah, so it was so so well done. My, my hats off to everyone involved in that. There was a fireworks display Fun. at the end. I mean, just great. Well, it's stuff. funny you say that because. Now, what night was it that you go? Uh, we went Saturday. This past Saturday. Yeah. The day before, uh, I'm, I'm meeting up with my friend Micah, who moved here uh-huh. uh, almost a year ago now. We're meeting up for lunch, and uh, knocks on the door. And I, we had been at Amoeba Records yep. a couple days before. Actually, when I picked up the Queen thing, I had some credit at Amoeba, picked up the Queen set, and... Um, I don't know the last time you've been to been to Amoeba, but they also have toys. Right. You know they have uh, you know it's all it's all carded or boxed stuff, but they got a you know a, an eclectic selection of uh, you know action figures and toys and stuff. And uh, I saw this Simpsons set that I had never seen before. I was I was completely unaware that this had come out, and it was the Playmate stuff, and it okay. was it's the box set of the living room with the original versions of the characters as they appeared on the Tracy Ullman show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, that's how, I mean, I remember reading Life in Hell that was in the, it was in the, uh, the, the Twin Cities paper called the, the, the Twin Cities Reader. Was it Reader right. or City Pages? I forget which one. But I used to read Life in Hell with, the, with, the, with the, those rabbits, you know? Yes. So when the Simpsons, those characters were on Tracy Ullman, I knew who that was, you right. know, as a 17, 18-year-old, whatever. I had read, I read the, the strip, and so I knew who Matt Groening was. Um, and so this, have you seen this set or do you have? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. And so they look more, way more crude and weird than they have. <laughs> yeah, the, like they did. The game. And then of course the sounds, you know, are all those original lines from the, the original, those original shorts. So it's funny that the day before, I mean, I don't, of any of the Playmate stuff, I think I've got Kent Brockman and I think I've got, uh, Professor Frank. Yep. I picked up the Who figures, uh, the NECA figures of, of the Who. Right, and then this, and that's all I have of the Simpsons. But okay. isn't it weird that I picked that up the day before you go to the bowl and see a special is. Simpsons show? Or I'm sorry, I didn't pick it up. I did not pick it up. Several days later, Micah shows up, and he picked it up for me off of Amazon. Oh. Knew that I wanted it and picked it up for you know next to nothing off of Amazon. Uh, so nice. I've got that set. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, also NECA just announced the wave four of their celebrities. Oh yeah, uh, this past week uh, we have. Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Tom Jones. Oh, yeah, I'm getting that one. Weird Al with his accordion. Does he do his own stuff, or does he do copies of songs and change the lyrics of other people? Elvis Costello. Yeah, I might get that. Wearing, wearing shorts. Yeah, you know, I saw that. I'm not going to get it. What? Well, if he was in a better outfit, I'd probably pick it up. I don't like the shorts thing. Why don't you buy him and then buy Penn Jillette and swap the heads? I suppose I could. Just saying. And then Aerosmith, the entire band of Aerosmith. Yeah, probably not. But there's loads of people, when you think about the guest stars, 
there's loads of, of, of Simpsons, you know, versions of Simpsons people. Like, I think there's a Leonard Nimoy that just came out. Yep, I picked him I up. might get that one. Uh, I've got the Mark Hamill. Um, there's Penn and Teller. They did, I think, unless I'm completely mistaken, uh, Paul McCartney and Linda, Ringo, and I think George Harrison all appeared on the show at different times. That's and did their And did their voices. So yep. I'd love to get those, obviously. Um, Sting, remember Sting was on the episode of um, yep. when Bart or someone got stuck down a mine shaft or something. Th- this was one of the the ongoing jokes at at the bowl mm-hmm. is that they would you know announce these musicians and then they'd show their character and then they'd go they're not here tonight. Oh, <laughs> funny, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because yeah, he did a song. Sting did a song like because it was riffing on the fact that Sting was on every charity album ever. And yep. uh, Michael Jackson, of course, he did a song like. Famous. About the kid being down the well or whatever, Bart being stuck down the well. Yep. Uh, the charity record. Um, who else? What was the one? What was the? What was the acapella group that Homer was in? Uh, boy. Like the five heartbeats or stair steps or something or. I don't, yeah, I can't think of it right now. I've got those figures too, which is the crazy thing. And there was actually a, a promo, seven-inch single that came out, that went to radio stations only, I think. Which was a, 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 a you know vinyl single of that whatever that song was that they yeah that kind of made the rounds way back then. I used to be addicted to that show. I mean, I haven't I probably haven't watched a new episode in maybe five or six years, seven years maybe. But I well, it's, it's coming back in a couple of weeks. Now's the time. And, and when I was in the hospital way back in 1990, I was in the hospital for like six weeks, and um, uh, my my then girlfriend at the time. You know, I had a VCR in the room, and eventually, you know, she'd bring in movies or, you know, buy VHS, whatever. And um, I think she got it for me, or someone did, got me the uh, Tiger Electronics. You remember Tiger? Sure. And they did handheld games for just yep. everything. There was a handheld game of for The Simpsons, and it was, you know, Bart-centric. And it was um, like a cupcake toss or something where he's trying to... Um, like grab cupcakes on a tray and not not drop them or something. He was always tossing cupcakes. He was famous for that. He was famous for tossing cupcakes. I played this thing until smoke came out of it. I just I was so bored <laughs> in the hospital that I was constantly playing this video game uh, or this little handheld game. But uh, yeah, I was hooked, man. I was hooked on that show. Um, what else we got? We got we got more stuff to, to hit. So let's let's take a look here, uh, please. Please let's get to the scandal that is sweeping the nation. There is some some kind of conspiracy going on between Target and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles line or something. What is going on? Tell me. Uh, so yeah, there was uh, I think it was about two weeks ago. There was uh, an ad in the Target paper that was showing a lot. You know, it's right after the movie came out. Showed a lot of the uh, figures and playsets, and uh, you know some of the smaller hang-on-the-wall playsets, some of the vehicles, and everything was like fourteen bucks. Well, Target also made the mistake of putting that gigantic one hundred dollar playset, the sewer playset, also for fourteen dollars, and people were going and snatching them up by the armful before Target realized what was happening. Okay. People were taking pictures of the sign and, you know, taking it to other stores, trying to get right. a price match. Uh, they were doing everything they could. I, unfortunately, missed out. I drove to, like, 
four or five targets that morning once I found out about it. And uh, either they, several of them said, yeah, one guy came in and bought them all because we live in the land of Frankensons. Uh, but a couple of them had actually said, oh, our manager saw that and made us pull them all off the shelves till we figure out what's going on. Now, now tell the rest of the world just who you mean when you say Frankensons. Frankensons is a giant sort of collector flea market, Moss Eisley <laughs> warehouse out here in Southern California, the city of industry. That's that's open every Wednesday and Saturday. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And it's a lot of Southern California dealers that just make their living by driving to every single Target, Walmart, Walgreens, you know, Toys R Us in the city, I'm not trying to sound snatching like up a, the new stuff and like reselling it there. But can they, can they, is it enough for them to do, to make all this effort, to drive all over the place, to scoop everything up, are they really paying the rent off of this stuff? Or is it just... I mean, back in the day, you know, back, you know, when you're talking about like orange card, green card transition of Star Wars yeah. and those 12-inch store exclusives... I would say yes. These days, I can't imagine. Right? Like, we got the internet, for God's sake. Yeah. I know, I, I know, in fact, I know very few toy you know, novices or people that, you know, that aren't you know, hardcore collectors. Very few toy you know, sort of lovers that grab anything the second they see it. They're always grabbing their phone, scanning it, trying to find it on the internet cheaper. A lot of them have uh, you know, two-day shipping, free two-day shipping with Amazon. Yep. I, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not the I same do. world as it was 15 years ago. I can't imagine that they do that well with this stuff. And then you got to drive all the way out there to go to. Do, do you do you pay to get into the thing? I've only been once. No, it's free to get in. Yeah, I think I went I went once, and I think I spent maybe ten dollars because yeah. everything in there it it goes either between you you get to a someone's sort of little area or booth or whatever you call it, and it's it's like. 90% figures I've never seen in person. They're either so you know, hard to get that I've never seen them, or they're so new that they get them before the stores or whatever, and I'm like, what the hell are these things? Or, you know, right next to it is a guy, you know, like a, like a 90-year-old you know, Asian gentleman uh, that's got like a, a, an old VCR in a box, you know, a, a black and white television, uh, you know, and dusty new kids on the block, like 12-inch figure, You know, like just shit. Just absolute yeah. shit that he pulled out of his attic and set up there. I, I, I don't understand what the attraction is exactly, but, but even the new stuff, it's all like double what it would be in the store, basically. Right, absolutely. Just yeah. find it on Amazon. Because they're paying rent on those booths. Yeah, yeah that's it too. You gotta, they got to pay to be there, right? But there's some people, you know, that are that the, they'll have several new things, but the majority of their stuff will be from... 89 to 96 and it's the stuff that nobody wants or needs anymore but they by golly they are not going to cut the price on it yeah, oh yeah, that's the other thing it just i'm here now uh it's 25 bucks oh i'm here now i'll give you 24 nope nope dude i'll give you 20 right now and you can go home nope not doing it i will come back in a year yes and it will still be there, and I'll offer you the same twenty dollars. Yes, yeah, exactly. And we'll see where we stand then. So, do you do you go to this? Do you do you, do you go that often, or just once a year kind of thing? Uh, I'll maybe go twice a year or so, and it's usually with a group of friends. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I try to boycott it as much as possible because 
they're the reason why I can't find the stuff I want to find in this city. Yeah, it's almost like hoarding at this point. Like, they're just kind yeah. of getting stuff just to kind of hoard it, almost. Um, yeah, so... But there, I mean, there there are, to, to be fair, there are some, a handful of legitimate dealers there that order through, like, Diamond oh. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there, uh, like, there was, like, one husband and wife uh, sort of team that had all kinds of stuff, like, you know, just, like, all kinds of fun, you know... Adventure Time and, uh, you know, uh, regular show, just fun stuff like that. All the toys, all the f- action figures and, you know, other kinds of sundries that have come out. Uh, and they had them all for very reasonable prices, if not below what it would be in the store sort of thing. But there's, yeah. there's some bargains I'm sure you can, you can get there if you kind of hunt around, you know. And there's like a booth of a guy that's got like, you know, he, he sells hot toys and Medicom, all that high-end stuff. And he's got two giant cabinets just full of customs, oh. uh, you know, like Walter White and I that. You know, Deckard. Okay. And, yeah. Okay, I must have missed just that. Just really cool stuff, like, you know, the whole cast of, like, Deadwood is 12-inch figures. Oh. So there's some very cool stuff there, but the majority of it are just the kind of scumbags that run when the stores open yeah. and scoop everything into a basket. Well, speaking of new toys, and I... Yes. I certainly have not been on a kick by any means. I'm I'm really slowing down my collecting for several reasons. Um, one of which is I decided to uh, to give up my storage unit uh, oh. eventually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, right. I just think uh, you know a lot of that stuff I could probably just keep in a certain you know one of the closets here, or maybe the garage or whatever, and just you know. Just kind of have it closer to home, but but that's that's debatable. But um, I think I may have convinced my better half that I, that I need just one more display case, okay. which would be nice to get more stuff in there. There's lots more cool stuff coming from Biff Bang Pow in the next year or so that I'm definitely going to want to have on display in in all its glory. Um, but uh, but I picked up a few things here and there, and um, one of them that, that showed up, which was a pre-order, which I know you've been talking about, but is one of those pinch me, I can't believe we're actually getting this kind of things, is the set from The Day the Earth Stood Still of the two action figures of Gort and Klaatu. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the swappable heads coming from Amok Time. Now, did you notice anything interesting about that or different or unusual about the set? Anything that stood out to you that you went... Hmm, that's funny. Anything? Uh, I mean, apart from the bubble being over the names and yeah, yeah. Uh, the fact that the Klaatu had such a heavy wash on his face that he was unrecognizable. <laughs> okay, yes. Besides those things. I guess not, though. Nowhere on, on the card does it say the day the earth stood still. Oh, yeah. Or does it have a copyright anywhere on the packaging? There's a thank oh. you to the guy that was inside Gort and to um, to the director, Robert Wise, and to Michael Rennie, who played Klaatu, etc. But there's right. nothing on there that's, that gives a copyright of the film. Yeah. So it's, and I see that, you know, knowing the other side of it, and you know enough to know this too, where you just go, huh, I wonder if there was some kind of loophole or public domain-y kind of thing that, that they could do where they could just make these two characters. The character names are on there, yeah. Gort and Klaatu, but not the name of the film. I just thought that was kind of uh, interesting. 
Well, the Muck Time has made them both as 12-inch figures before, yes, too. Yes, those are lovely. Those are really nice. Yeah. I got a set. I think I, I said this when I pre-ordered them. I got a set for my dad because that was one of those, you know, I'm sure very much like your dad because your dad was a, a big, you know, tech guy, but your dad knows yep. knows pop culture and, and so on. But, like, my, you know, when, when, when my universe was Star Wars for those three years, you know, half the time I would get the 180 times I saw the damn thing, Half the time, my dad took me, and he, he fell in love with Darth Vader. That was his his character, you know. But he'd always, you know, every couple months would turn me on to something else, like the Buck Rogers strips. You know, he got me a big hardcover book, the Flash Gordon strips. You know, this is what I was into when I was a kid, you know. Um, Terry and the Pirates, you know, uh, Sky Captain, stuff like that. And um, Day of the Earth stood still, eventually, like when it was on television. He's like, this was my Star Wars. And Gort was his favorite Robot of all time. So, yeah. and there was never anything. He'd always say to me, as I got older and I got to be more of a collector, he'd always say, like, did they never make a Gort? How come no one's made a Gort? I gotta, you gotta find out. And, uh, and then, of course, they made, like, a wind-up. I forget who did the, like, Billiken or someone made a wind-up. Yeah. Maybe it was an American company, I forget. And then they made, like, a little metal figure that, that, that you know, was non-posable. And then there was the 12-inch set, the big, giant Gort, and then the 12-inch Klaatu. And now this. And I've got them all. And X-Plus did, like, a vinyl, a big vinyl version, yes, too. Yes, yes. Uh, and I ended up uh, scooping them all up for my dad and sending them. So he just got it last week, and he, he loved it. He was knocked out. He's like, I finally got Gort toys. Yeah. So he's very excited. It's a fun little set. It's fun. It's just nice to have it, you know. It's like, it's got some, you know... Uh, little you know, little tweaks here and there that I'd make, but it's just like it's just fun that these are going to be able to go on the shelf with these other characters. I, I with your Twilight Zone guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Reaction. Oh, can we yeah. say that too? I didn't say this. I was going to write a little something quick on the uh, the uh, Geek Shell Inherit site, but I guess I thought I'd wait until we did it. We lost a, a, a pop culture icon, Richard Keel. Oh yeah, played Jaws in two of the Bond films, amongst. You know, loads of other other things. He was on the monkeys. He was in Twilight Zone. He was uh, in the Longest Yard. He was. Um, was it Billy Madison. Billy Madison. He was, he was in one of the Adam Sandler films. Yeah, he was in loads of stuff. Um, I was lucky enough to meet the guy a couple years ago, down at Comic Con, uh, when he did a signing for the Canimate set that we did. It was a Canimate figure in a in a lunchbox, a Twilight Zone lunchbox. And he did this really cool thing, you know, the thing he does with Roger Moore when he put his head in his hands, like he's going to crush his head thing, yeah. signature move. He did that to me in the picture, and I kind of give him a look like Roger Moore uh, did. But, uh, but I just want to say it was just, you know, cool to have met him, and uh, he was a big part of my childhood with the, with the Bond stuff. But I, I'm really thrilled that we got to make an action figure of him uh, and immortalize him in, in plastic, for the Twilight Zone. It was very cool to be able to, to do that. I'm glad he got to see it before he shuffled off this mortal coil. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, here's to you, Richard Keel. Indeed. Your seven-foot-four frame. Um, what else? Because we're going to have to wrap this up very soon. I'm sorry. Oh, we are. That's hit me, true. Hit me, some, hit me with some stuff that's been twisting your melon the past couple Well, I was kind of excited. It, it, it wasn't... There was not a big announcement about it. Uh, they didn't show anything at Comic-Con. Yes. 
but they just kind of slid it into a, hey, here's some stuff that's coming. Diamond Select Toys is going to do Minimates based on the old Buck Rogers TV show. I saw show that. I thought this with Tweaky and Gil Gerard and Aaron Gray. And I thought, this, thought the same thing as you. Like, wow, I didn't hear about this at all. Yeah. It fun. I would pick up. I'm not a big Minimates guy, but I pick up, you know, things here and there depending on what I dig. And that I would definitely pick up all those little guys. Yeah, there was like no announcement at their panel at Comic Con. Like anything, it was just like, "Hey, what's going on here?" Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. So, I, I uh, definitely will grab those. Yeah, there's a few other things that are coming out here and there that I'm um, I'm keen to, to to get. I'm very curious about this Star Wars Rebels. Oh yeah, series, and I'm just I'm just curious to see. Like I saw on Amazon, I don't think it's out until October. You know how uh, Hasbro? I almost said Kenner. Wow. <laughs> that's how that's how lost I am. Uh, Hasbro is doing those sets of I think they're called mission sets. Is that what they're called? Yeah, it's two uh-huh. figures in a set. So it's like Han and Chewie, and then underneath it it says from Star Wars Episode uh, Five. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Episode Four, A New Hope. Uh, and then it's like you know Luke and Vader in the Bespin duel, and it says you know Empire Strikes Back. So it's like a specific scene or moment or whatever. And, there's and they're set, all like five points of articulation. Five points of articulation, uh, you know, one accessory each kind of thing. There is a set coming out of the Wookiee-type guy that's in the new show, whatever he's yeah, called, a, and yeah. a Stormtrooper. And it's cool because it's like it looks like a Stormtrooper, but it's but kind of not. You know, like it's, like, it, like it's that transitional kind of Stormtrooper sort of design. Right. Uh, yeah. And I thought that's kind of fun. Like if I saw those, I'd probably, I'd probably snag those. You know. And the Wookiee type creature is one of the Ralph McQuarrie designs, yes. early designs for Chewbacca. That's what I so. thought too. Like, boy, that that can't be a coincidence. That looks a lot like early McQuarrie stuff. There's a, I mean, this whole series is full of McQuarrie oh, influence and stuff. Awesome. Like the, the mask that that kid wears. Uh huh. That you're, they're yeah. selling in stores now. That's the Macquarie like Snowtrooper, right? The Snowtrooper, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's so, cool. so I'm, I'm because of that. I'm kind of keen to see what stuff you know comes out. What's going to sort of hit? Uh, and of course, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see the show. Like it's not like I'm not going to watch the show or be interested in the show. Did you see along those lines? Did you see the latest J.J. Uh, Abrams picture that he tweeted? Yes. With the background, the, the design? Yep. That's yep. kind of cool. You tell people what you mean, though. Um, may, okay, I'll... well, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, he's been tweeting pictures of, like, uh, like he, he'll take, like, a card, like, almost like, a, you know, from the desk of so-and-so card, and he'll write a message on the card, snap a picture of it that goes out on his Twitter account. He did one on what looked like the chess table in the Millennium Falcon. He did yep. one where... This kind of android robot kind of hand holding the car, you know, little little kind of hints that people are going, "Ooh, I wonder what that means." And this latest one, I forget what the message was, but the background out of focus, the wall on this set, wherever it is, looked very much like the same design that's in the hallways on the original Death Star, yep. seventy-seven. So that got that got people talking. Um, little things like that are, are kind of fun. I have to say, I'm going to go on record because we can do that here because these shows are here forever for posterity yes. or for your posterior, depending on how much you enjoy the show. 
but just for the record, there is a plot synopsis making the rounds. I have mentioned it before. I am not going to go into detail about it in case people are avoiding it specifically, whether it's true or not. But if this is the plot of this movie, I am going to be so disappointed. <laughs> and I think you know what I'm talking about. I do. If that ends up being, if, if an eighth of that ends up being what this movie is, I am going to be so sad. I will be there opening weekend, regardless, but I will be so disappointed if, if that's where it's going. And I also will just say for the record, all those out there, you have a choice. Would you, these characters that you love so much, that we've loved for such a huge chunk of our lives, and they're all still with us, knock on wood, as actors, when the, by the time this is done, if we can get them all together in, a, in, in the same film, would you want them together in that film? To see these characters bopping around together having another adventure? Or would you want them separated, a la Empire Strikes Back, for the duration of the film? Which would you rather? I don't I don't think I have a strong indication either way. You don't. You don't care either way. You're. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want them together. Okay. You know, if Redford and Newman were ever going to be able to do another film, a third film together, which they never got to do, uh, I wouldn't have wanted it to be like Heat, where Pacino and De Niro, as classic as that is, get together for two scenes, and the rest of the movie they're at odds. Yeah. I want them. Okay. To, yeah. I, I get what you're that's saying. That's what made the chemistry so great. And. Yeah. That's what was so fun when it was fun in Jedi was that hey we're back in you know we're back in the swing of things and having an adventure again. Uh, so I really hope that that they don't choose to do what I'm hearing in some of these synopses because I, I would be sad about that. Uh, two more things, two final things. One, I forgot to mention this when you were talking about the show that you love so much called uh, Digging Deep. Going deep with David Reese. Going deep with David Reese. Yes. You know, as you're talking about it, I'm, I'm going, why does this sound so familiar? And there was a British series called Brainiac uh, a good, gee, eight years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago. And uh, a friend of mine uh, called uh, Stuart Morris, who I met on a show here, but when he went back over to the UK, um, worked on this, on this show uh, again. And eventually I ended up uh, writing for the show. Uh, from here, and I would okay. contribute segments and ideas and scripts and stuff from here for a good couple of months because they they wanted another perspective and a fresh kind of spin on things. And what Brainiac was was, you know, I know you can't walk on water, but can you walk on uh, pudding? Well, we found out, and they fill up a swimming pool with uh, you know tapioca or something, and they explain to you how you could actually walk across it and how to where to put your weight sort of thing. But it was also right. things like, you know, <laughs> you know, like in the movies, if you're going to break into the junkyard and there's guard dogs over the fence, what's the best meat to throw them? You know, just these ab- ridiculous, absurd things from the best way to, you know, shake a hand, like you were mentioning, to crazy yeah. stuff like that. Um, and so I thought of it, and I thought, you know, if you like this stuff, you should try to find it, like on YouTube or something. Look up Brainiac. It was a really fun oh, okay. Show and then they would sometimes get the, the Brainiac gang, these you know PAs, you know in, in t-shirts, Brainiac t-shirts, to to do the the, the scary stuff like you know kind of like MythBusters. Yeah, exactly. Like can you <laughs> yeah. you know if I touch this uh, fence, I'm gonna get an electric shock. But if you're behind me holding my hand, will you get the shock as well? And eventually yeah. you've got like eight people in the line, and the eighth guy 
doesn't feel it. So they go, okay, well, there you go. Seven people deep will feel the shock, but the eighth guy won't or whatever. And it's just really fun and absurd stuff. So it made me think of your, your show, and uh, All right. maybe you should uh, check it out sometime. And last, oh. I think this is a good way to end things, this Hello Kitty bombshell you've got. Please, <laughs> please enlighten me. Well, yeah, they made this announcement uh, just a week or so ago that Hello Kitty is not actually a cat. What? what, what? She's like a little eight-year-old girl. She's a what? An eight-year-old girl. Hello Kitty is an eight-year-old girl? She's either eight or nine. I can't remember, but yeah. But not. she is not and has never... The intention was never that she was an actual feline. Is she, like, wearing a mask or something? They don't explain that. They just say she is not a cat. She's a girl. What about the other creatures, like Hyronopeco and those other, like, the duck and the bird? And the little, the weird little penguin? Yeah. Are they animals, or are they... They, they, did, not, they did not go into that. Who are they? In their press are release, they said... Who said this? Who said yeah. it? The, the actual, what are the, Senrio? Senrio is that people? the name? Yeah. So they what had a press conference and said, "Look, we've got to clear up, yes. we've got to clear up thirty years of confusion." Hello Kitty is not a cat. Yes. Do you know how many people there must be out there that have named their cats Hello Kitty? Uh, of course. I, I mean, everyone when it it went viral after that came out, there's like, "My mind is blown." Of course, she's a cat. I need what are you talking some, about? I need to do some follow up on this. All right. I'm, I'm I'm shocked. That's that's your homework for the next episode. I am shocked to my core. Uh, you do some research, you come back. I've uh, been seeing some little things here and there about the Flash TV series. I don't know how excited you are about this. He's one of your favorite, yeah. one of your favorite characters, but it's looking pretty good. And I was excited. Yesterday they made the announcement that Amanda Pays, who was on the original like John Wesley Ship CBS Flash, right. is going to be back playing that same character for three episodes. I met her once at uh, DuPars. She was with Corbin oh. Carson, her husband. Um, yeah. But hey... Am I wrong? Or am I just, you know, with, with, with time, am I looking back? No, you're wrong. Fond, fond uh, glasses. But that was a pretty good series, wasn't it? That flash. Yeah, it was. CBS series. Yeah, I liked yeah, it. I thought it was good. And, it because, and I realized many years later that it was sort of spearheaded and written by uh, Danny Bilson and, and Paul DeMeo, who yep. wrote The Rocketeer. Correct. Correct. And, I, and I thought, well, that's why The Rocketeer is so damn good. These guys, they had, I think they had a background in comics. They do, but yeah. But they really did a good job on the on the Flash series, which I believe is available on DVD. It is, it's for a very good price. Amazon has it for less than $20 right now. Yeah, so there you go. People should should rent it or buy it, check it out. It's, it's a good, consistent series. And you know what's not on DVD that I tried to find at, at uh, Amoeba just for kicks is the live-action Spider-Man series from 77. Oh, yeah. It was out on VHS, a couple, of them, yep. and it was out on Laserdisc. But it has never been out on, on DVD, which is weird to me. But uh, if anybody has uh, copies they want to burn for me, I'm happy to take them. Excellent. Uh, and there you go. There's a nice uh, hour and 15 minutes worth of uh, fried gold for you people to chew on. It's absolutely right. It's very toy-centric, which I know a lot of folks have been asking for lately. So. There you go. Careful. There it is. Careful what you ask for. That's right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do it again sooner than later. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone yeah. have a great like, week. We've watched recently and shows we're catching up on. There's lots of stuff we can we can hit. Yeah, we'll, we'll save all that for next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. All right. Well, have a good week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Shiny. Let's be bad guys.
of nature's deepest mysteries.